0: Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the CoCast where we talk about co-creation and with me, I have my co-founder in Multiply, Rasmus. Hey Rasmus, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Martin. Uh, I don't like the the in CoCast though, I just think it should be CoCast.
0: Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let's go with CoCast. <laughs>
1: yep. <clears throat> but otherwise I'm great, I had a really great morning with my daughter and uh, yeah, weather is beautiful and excited uh, about today. How are you?
0: I'm really good. Weather is not beautiful here. It's cloudy. uh, But I am filled with love and excitement about today. In any case, I've had a really productive day. So today, we're going to talk about AI and co creation.
1: Yeah, and specifically generative AI, right? Like the new stuff.
0: Yes. Generative AI. Uh, not the old school statistical machine learning things, but language models and what that means for humanity.
1: And the end of humanity, maybe. Have you seen No, no. but have you seen the uh, like the the AI Optimus Twitter that is always joking about Terminator and stuff? It's pretty interesting no. actually way to sort of <laughs> okay. disarm the topic.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. side track.
0: Yeah. One one uh, friend uh, this summer just mentioned this uh weird dynamic that that we all have between like AI is coming to take our jobs, but AI is always also coming to do our jobs for us. <laughs> like what like yeah. can we decide <laughs> Do, do we want to have jobs or not? Uh, I guess we want to have, we want to sustain our lives and happiness, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to take the AI to take the income away, but maybe the effort.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's it's very similar to all of the kind of digital revolution, actually. Um, I love the quote by Sam Altman, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, he basically says, this is the biggest, like these AI creative tools is the biggest uh, impact to Just creative and knowledge work since the computer itself. And I think the trend ever since the computer came has been for us to automate, to delegate all the stuff we don't want to do so we can do more Mm. of the stuff we want to do. And I really just think that this is a next, like, hypercharging way to do it. I mean, like, excel like as boring as it is today comparing that to having actual spreadsheets to work with like before yeah. that I, I just imagine the first people using it like transitioning from the physical spreadsheets must have been like uh, you know blown away
0: definitely by the way uh, our podcast recording software says that you are offline right now and i can still hear you and see you
1: yeah it said that for me as well like uh, uh, you know just like 30 seconds ago but then disappeared but I think it just right. it syncs it up or something. We'll see. Okay. I mean, we'll see.
0: We'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll go on. Cool. Right. So uh, what is the most exciting thing in AI, in generative AI that you, that you have visibility on right now?
1: So, I mean, I think I think it's actually still like the big language models like GPT-3. And then, of course, these new applications of it to, you know, audio, like let's not but like audio images, etc. But I think that... The coolest thing is that you can literally speak with it. You can like it's it's on that level where you can have a conversation with your computer. If we're gonna you know put that everywhere, yeah. right? Which it will be. So you can have a conversation, and you have someone answering in the same way, and you have mm-hmm. so much like and there's so much knowledge. Um, like
0: it's like to tap into. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah.
1: like having yeah. a super smart person to talk to. I mean, st- yeah. still stupid in some ways, of course,
0: but like in many <laughs> ways, super,
1: super smart and super, super it's like
0: the, It's the, like this super smart person who is also super playful. If you go into stupid mode, it will just come with you right there yeah. and just be like play stupid for a while if you wanted to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love like, I, I don't know if like that, that is, I'd be very surprised if it's pre programmed. When we start talking with it about like, will you take over the world and stuff, like I saw you playing with it earlier, it has these funny answers. Like that are I like uh, that that are so personal. Like the feeling yeah. is that you speak with a person, oftentimes. Yeah. When you write to it,
0: I think it be, it might be because the only conversations with an AI that it has been able to read is not with an actual AI; it's fiction. Yeah. About talking to an AI, yeah. so that the only. Uh, model it has to tap into Mm -hmm. is sort of funny witty conversations with an AI that actually want to take over the world. Yeah. (laughs) Because that what that's what humans have been writing about like AI before.
1: Yeah, I wonder there actually like I'm not sure if you're I'm not well enough read on this yet. I'm getting there. But like what is it trained on? Say GPT three? Like is it trained on like the totality of the internet or is it like a a subset of, of information that it's trained on? I mean is it trained on literature? Or is it trained on the internet? Because not all literature is on the internet. I mean, no, depends so, if they have access so to Amazon, is, I guess.
0: But it is uh, very well read. What I've seen, the number I've seen is that it's been trained on ten percent of the
1: internet. Okay,
0: and it and it can it can imitate the tone of voice from Shakespeare and mm. Dostoevsky and and so on. So it, it has read literature, uh, perhaps the Gutenberg Project or whatever. Mm. It has also read a lot, an awful lot of. Just discussion forums and recipe databases and, and uh, anything between heaven and earth. And news as well, like uh, just news articles, I think, a lot.
1: But that is actually quite interesting. So I think it's important with these new tools, actually, and, and, and to frame it correctly. And I think I might have been framing it wrong. I've been framing it as if I can ask it for information, which it actually has it has been able to do. I was like uh, just playing in a demo for some investors. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm playing with this. Um, like what are the five biggest SaaS markets? And it gave it to me and then yeah. I kicked up Google and it was correct um, yeah. by revenue. Um, but if it's only trained on, you know, part of the internet, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I yeah, I think maybe I'm, I, like I wonder what the correct frame is like for, it's maybe not knowledge yet. You know, like asking mm. an ans- a question and getting an answer. It's like providing information and asking to do something with it, like providing um, you know, a blog post and asking it to yeah. do a summary or something like that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You have you have to provide the knowledge. Yeah. You can't rely and uh, like as one one part of the framing needs to be to understand what mm. the and Andrew's is gonna look. Like is the understanding that as soon as it doesn't have information about something, it will immediately switch into fiction. Mm. It would just make up stuff mm. com- on the spot without not- like anyone noticing. Mm. So for example, if you ask it to generate full tech, full length articles about the topic uh, just to make them sound like human written articles sound, it will come up with, university studies and and quote them and cite them and say, this is a credible source of like, why are Tesla drivers more prone to road rage? It it will just make up stuff like uh, University of Carolina showing this, this this study from 2020 that road rage is more prevalent in, in uh, drivers of electric vehicles. And it will sound super reasonable and that study will never exist anywhere. So like it's, it's actually like scary uh, the level of uh, how that just uh merges into the stream of, of uh consciousness that comes back from, from when you give it a prompt.
1: And you've seen this like you've seen it make up stuff yeah. okay really yeah. oh wow yeah,
0: definitely yeah mm. and and so you have to fact check everything. Oh wow but you, you can also teach it with a prompt to not lie. Like you could, to not come up with incorrect stuff. You can if you give it examples like uh here is a clear lie here is a truth uh, here is a truth here is a lie and then you say whenever the, whenever you don't know the knowledge just please answer i don't know oh wow and but then, you'd have
1: to instruct that
0: uh, yeah and sure. then you instruct that and then give examples of each and then you can start to perhaps rely on on the output and it's super fascinating how how that works
1: that is interesting though because it's like <clears throat> i i would Actually, like, I'm not sure if this is, like, a common definition, but in my mind, I can can separate knowledge and intelligence. You know, you can be super smart, like, have a lot of brain power, if you just look at human, but Mm -hmm. not know something Mm -hmm. about something because you never learned it, right? Uh, And then you can have learned something very well, but not be generally, like, super intelligent. And I think, Mm -hmm. like... It's interesting then the definition, like one of the things that um, Sam Altman has been talking about, uh, the founder of OpenAI, is the cost of intelligence will go down. So I think like when I'm reframing this now, it's like we're like separating it. I would say that you get access to an intelligence through like OpenAI, GPT-3, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's intelligent because it knows what a summary is. It knows what an introduction is. It knows what an argument is. It knows a lot of things because it's trained on so much information, a lot of semantic knowledge, which is the base for like, and it can use it uh, to be mm. intelligent, but you can't necessarily trust the knowledge of it yet. No. Um, but that just means that it's like, you know, you onboard someone to your team. I actually think that's pretty interesting if we go into kind of the co-creation angles. If you just look at it as a person, mm. like, oh yeah, we, yeah, part of our team is, is open AI. Uh, uh, or GPT three, and mm. uh, and of course you need to teach your new coworker stuff, you know about your company, about your business, you know it needs to learn from your customers, etc. You you need to teach it things, and then it can be smart, yeah. like just like a new yeah. coworker needs to be onboarded. So um, yeah, that's just something that came to me now.
0: Mm. And and I think that one framing that works for me is that it's a pattern repetition machine, like. So if you feed it a pattern of intelligence, it will re- have the capacity, uh, hopefully, to re- to repeat a pattern of, of intelligence. And if if you feed it, it's like if you would be able to feed feed it a squiggly line visually, it will just continue with the same kind of squiggles. And then when you when you make it a blocky line, it will continue with uh, blocky uh, squiggles instead. Mm. And that it's the same, but but with language, like if you talk. Uh, in a in like crude way with um, low level of uh, grammar proficiency it will continue that way and then if you're super articulate and and uh, really uh, well expressed in how you argument for your position that's the pattern it will repeat Mm. and it's it's what is so fascinating is that it can that it can cover that entire spectrum and just repeat this Mm. it's like any level of, of articulate argumentation on a on a topic that you that you wanted to like continue and uh, pick up on super vague clues about what is it that we're writing so Mm. are we writing a science fiction novel or a a business text that those are really crude examples but you can understand and continue patterns of really subtle tone of voice and, uh, and, uh, that's a, that's a great tool to leverage. Yeah. It's interesting actually,
1: because like, it sort of ties into the boundaries discussion we had on the last episode, like you need boundaries for co-creation, you need boundaries to be creative. So if we have this new GPT-3 coworker, which we actually have in our team, right? And uh, then yeah. you need to provide these boundaries for, because you want something like, you know, you wanted to talk exactly. like business or you wanted to, um, do something very specific and be smart around Mm -hmm. it and use its intelligence to do something there it's actually quite cool with it with with regards to tone of voice i haven't listened to it yet but there's like this podcast.ai i think it is up where i think they have generated a podcast where steve jobs speaks and it's actually i i i I should fact check this actually but that's what i heard i just read it briefly yeah Uh, but they are starting to generate you know and and if i would just go out on a limb and, and think a little bit about how that could be done or has been done, mm. uh, if my, you know, information is correct. Then that's basically, you know, all this intelligence taking all the communication from Steve Jobs out there, whether it's written or verbal, and then it can mm. simulate that frame of Steve Jobs. And it can even, like, have the frame of how does, like, Steve Jobs sound. And it can yeah. take that and talk and use that yeah. knowledge base and that frame of how he sounds to produce his voice and talk.
0: Um, yeah, and I actually think that's where um, the future is heading. Where it's not only like a language model generating text or stable diffusion generating images and or video. It's when you merge these two uh, two technologies with with sound generation and video generation and mm. language generation and all into one because then as a human i become so immersed with my senses into something mm. that it becomes completely believable and I'm, I'm i'm starting to perhaps not question questioning what i'm seeing on the same level as before because it's it's uh, speaking sort of the same language with the same patterns on in on all my communication channels mm. uh, uh visually and and the uh, audible and just filling up all my senses with the same message, and that that will be that's so much more persuasive than just reading text generated by an AI. And uh, so that's sort of both scary and uh, a tremendous potential in that. Uh, maybe a scary potential.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting though because like just to put what you said into my words, it's like it's not only that it sounds like Steve Jobs. It sounds mm. like something he would say. So yeah. if you then generate a video, if you take Facebook's Make a Video, where you can write Teddy Bear drawing a Teddy bear and it creates mm-hmm. a video of it. When you can yeah. sync that in, that video generation is it's Steve Jobs uh, Steve Jobs' voice. It's Steve Jobs' uh, you know way of speaking. Mm-hmm. It's actually Steve Jobs' views on the world and you see Steve Jobs talking. like yeah, that's exactly. nuts. And and just like to take that into, of course, you can take that into a scary angle, like of fake news yeah. and you can't, you know, post truth society, and you know, you could go wherever you want to go with that. Um, but it's also, you know, did you hear about Bruce Willis? I haven't no. double. I, 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 haven't, I haven't double checked. Up? I haven't double checked. What's up in there? Yeah, I haven't double checked this either. I need to start double checking my facts. But it was from a trusted source of like yeah. a, that I person that I know. Um, it's that he's signed off his like AI acting rights because he's got like this health situation where he won't be able to act anymore. Mm-hmm. But that means that you know it's it's a bit li- little bit like Beatles selling the right to their music to you know keep playing it, but here you're selling yeah, yeah, the yeah. right to impersonate yourself. <laughs> On video and stuff
0: wow that's scary that's that's super scary, yeah,
1: so now you can make a yeah. they can make i mean i 'm sure if they can yet, but they will yeah. be able to make a, a Bruce Willis movie if I 'm correct in this, but in yeah. any case, the hypothetical is interesting, right like yeah. just thinking that's about amazing. it uh, that oh, all of a sudden you know a famous actor
0: may not need to act, he can outsource the acting. <laughs> Yeah, which and just be like he's he can he has already built his persona, so now yeah. he can lean back and sell it.
1: Yeah, and also it's like you know it's it's pretty much like Bruce Willis might be the first immortal actor. You know, in theory, he could yeah. be a big star
0: two thousand years from now. <laughs> wow! Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I'm super excited about is how this is also generating an extreme amount of innovation in uh, user experience, how the tools to leverage this power are just, that's where we're just scratching the surface. Mm. We, we, we see this, like copy, AI just announced this week that they have passed one, no, t- sorry, $10, 10 million, million. Dollars in in ARR. And that's a, that's a tremendous growth for a very young company. And they, they are pure UX. That the, the core technology, uh, AI-wise, is all GPT-3. It's only like UX and prompt design, prompt engineering, that is the IP of copyright AI. And they are making a killing, just um, allowing people to sign up with low friction into that user experience.
1: Yeah, people love it. I'm not sure if you've seen the like the, love the yeah. testimonials and the activity in the yeah, Facebook yeah. group. It's it's amazing. Yeah. They really you know built something super valuable, uh, and it's as you say, it's just a thin layer on top of GPT three. Like exactly. if you look at the technology technology wise, it's a thin yeah.
0: layer. And uh, and when OpenAI recently uh, uh, lowered their prices, uh, copyright AI just got a free. Uh, huge increase in gross margin on on their service, mm. and uh, that would just comp- like keep that that margin would just keep growing as uh, that's the these technologies become more and more um, affordable.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, on that topic, I mean, it's maybe not the most interesting one, but it relates back to what what Sam Altman says about the cost of intelligence going down, uh, mm-hmm. which what you're speaking about, right? I, I would have been surprised how many open source large language models there are now. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know that open source is, you know, of course, a, a proven business strategy, uh, but like, I, I'm just like interested that that so many have turned up, like Stable Diffusion, Soon After Dolly. I mean, they're good at different things, is the way I've mm-hmm. sort of perceived it, um, generating different types of images uh, from prompts. Uh, but it's still interesting how fast like you're seeing um, applications of these models <clears throat> like copy.ai but also that you're yeah. seeing <clears throat> so many different large language models being trained and and made available and even open source I don't know have, have you looked into this at all like i, I like I still like I'm, I'm curious like is it a business model or is it like just people literally doing this somehow um as an altruistic thing uh,
0: yes and no I, it's uh, I think it's driven by the, especially on the image side, um, because the Dolly two and um, I forget what what Google's image generation technology, like the, the big companies' pr- proprietary image generation tech, is all like locked down behind uh, walls and and. Uh, uh, but what is available are the work is the work from universities. So the researchers all around the world uh, that that build. Image generation models—they are making them available um, open source because the work has been financed uh, through through research connected to some of the world's largest uh, universities. Right. So that's that's it's not a business model and it's not altruistic, uh, apart from uh, just universities like higher education and research uh, being actually in the foundation super altruistic in the way. research is being conducted and it's so amazing that that uh, Google Colab and Jupyter Notebooks has been become this amazing tool of sharing uh, not only uh, like the algorithms and the description and research papers of how to accomplish stuff but actual code so researchers build on top of each other's actual Python code and and it's a very natural way of sharing openly how how you achieve something and building on top of of um what other researchers are doing it's actually one of the most cool experiments in co-creation mm. uh going on right now and and I would love to bring someone a guest onto the show here to talk about what co- Google Colab is um, how co-creation works there and how how it's bringing benefits to the research community because it's a it's a really big driver for for Uh, these technologies being adopted and and shared widely
1: yeah amazing I mean to go back to like I think like it's just like interesting I think it's interesting to go back to like the the talk we had uh, I know it was a couple of talks back we were trying to define like co-creation and we're talking about Mm -hmm. you know what it means to be in creation in a a creative flow state and uh, we're talking about you know how does that work together right like when two entities and I think it's we're really getting to the point where you will be able to consider your computer a co-creator uh, with these yeah. new AI models. And that's like the big shift. It's like, this is actually, it's a very different thing to even use, like, say, a modern design tool, such as, you know, Figma, uh, which we use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still a tool, right? You could have technically drawn that on paper, Right. Theory, Mm -hmm. um, but you draw it on the computer and you have so much power beneath your hands, right? But it's still doing what you tell it to do. In this case, and and it's the the end result is expected, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like I take a hammer, I bang it, I know what happens, right? It's
0: yeah,
1: even though it's much more complex and 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 rich. But in this case, it's really like the surprise factor almost that makes it a co-creative thing. Like I'm asking the AI something or telling it to do something and it comes up, it brings in a lot of things I don't know about and it produces Mm. something new and then I can iterate with it. So I think the whole kind of, and and this will touch so many industries and we can get into that, but just on a general Mm. level, I think it's really interesting how people will start like, or how the shift will happen in how we relate to our technical tools and our, our our computer. Like it will, it will be much more relate to and learn to interact with, then learn how to use and do specific mm. things.
0: Um, yeah. And and it's also like how does the UX of the of the middle middleware between the human and the AI? How does that? Um, how how do you expose the the power of? Of the AI to the user uh, without without creating confusion and uh, and uh, like the wrong results, and so there's an extremely interesting mix of of uh, just human knowledge co- coming together in producing these new uh, tools with these this amazing potential.
1: Yeah, and if we're talking about the middle layer there as well, I guess above these foundational models, it's a little bit like, hey, we have these new. Super people coming out, these foundational model, models. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it's like, how do we speak to them? And now we yeah. need to learn to speak their language, right? In many ways. Even though mm-hmm. they are learning to speak ours, we still need to learn how to interact and be with these new people. And I think that's really where the middle layer comes in. You know, Copy AI is a very interesting example. They're really taking, for some very specific purposes of, of writing in different use cases, uh, it's helping you not have to learn how to talk with GPT-3 to make that happen. It's, it's like a translation service. It's like Google Translate for GPT-3. Uh, and it, it provides that translation in the terms of like very easy, like verbs almost, very easy actions yeah. that you can ask ask the service to do. So I think it's just very interesting that there, there will be a both specific and more general kind of Let's call it translation services for how to mm. sort of learn for learning how to interact with and, and co-create with AI.
0: Yeah. And and uh I think part of copy dot copy.ai's success has been that they have a quite narrow use case. The or target group is is are mostly marketers and uh, the tools that they expose inside their service it, are even more narrow. Like they break down what is the job of a um, marketing writer into, uh, I think it's like approaching a hundred different uh, use cases, like writing a tweet, selecting hashtags for an Instagram post, coming up with a caption for the same post and so on, Like the, creating an outline for a new blog post. So they're, part of their success has been that They've been able to produce higher quality in very uh, uh, narrow use cases because they are narrow. Yeah, that they have been uh, able to form like create high quality prompts for because they are so specific in the purpose of each prompt. So that I think that's something that will um, that speaks to um, the more general tools um, uh, to to. uh, uh, it's challenging more general tools to create the same kind of quality uh, with wider use cases.
1: Yeah, and it's... Uh, yeah, and I think we will see... In, in my mind, it's almost like copy.ai is actually a translator, like like the role, yeah. the person yeah. who translates for you, but it doesn't teach you the language. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't create like a common language for you and the AI to, to talk around. It's more like, it, it, he, he does it for you. And I think like there will be these middle layers that actually helps you learn how to speak and evolve a language between these models and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, humans. Um, so I think that's like a really interesting opportunity that isn't solved yet. There are all these like interesting specific, like of course on the foundation layer, there's so much stuff happening, you know, video generation, you know, the audio transcription and generation, uh, text, um, etc right image um but then and then there's this like general middle layer that hasn't been coming yet right but that i think will be Mm -hmm. coming and and, you know we are exploring of course and uh, then there's the um these specific applications like like copy ai uh, that are Mm -hmm. still i mean still like very specific in terms of like very inflexible and still single player like all of these ai models both on the foundational level what i've seen and on the application layer so to say are single player uh, which means that Definitely. I am co-creating with AI but if you and I want to co-create with AI then that's not you know yeah it's not there yet right
0: yeah and, and that's actually like I, that's a topic uh, uh, very close to our hearts now we're coming up to 30 minutes so I think that we'll probably have to leave that for for the next or a uh, next episode yeah. to talk about collaborative AI
1: yeah, what would that be? Uh, that would be
0: super, yeah. So let's mm. leave that to, to uh, next episode or uh, the one after. Collaborative AI, collaborative generative AI. Yeah. What that is. Yeah. Super ex- exciting. Um, do you have any any last thoughts to share before we close out this episode?
1: No, not really. I mean, I think... I think I'm 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 really looking forward to dive into kind of the future of this as well. Like you, you you gave a good example. Let's not get into it, but but from another industry, like what happens if you think a couple of steps ahead? You know where mm-hmm. this will be in 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 the further future. And I think there's a lot of interesting things to sort of discuss and explore there to sort of also navigate where we are now and and what opportunities mm-hmm. there are. Um, but yeah, I'm super I'm super excited about this. I think it can really like both empower. Like us as individuals and as as you know teams and, and groups of people to to you know be smarter and
0: more creative and more productive together. Definitely. Thank you so much, Rasmus. Thanks, Martin. And thank you everyone tuning in to this episode of CoCast. And not the Cocast. Not the Co-Cast. just Cocast. <laughs>